0: You know, it's it's the offseason, so we're kind of obliged to talk about men's basketball, and and we will, sadly, have to do that for a little bit. But there's other things to talk about, too. Uh, Jim Harbaugh's leaving Michigan, Ohio State, uh, wrestle bucks dramatic, come-from-behind victory against that team up north. Ohio State's bringing in some familiar faces, some recruits, and then we're going to talk a little gambling. So we'll get into all of that. Let's go ahead and start with how bad the men's basketball team is. Uh, Who, by the way, exists in stark contrast to the women's basketball team. And I I do want to point this out before we get into all of this. If you do want to pay attention to Ohio State basketball uh, during this cold, dark, gray winter, uh, please pay attention to the Ohio State women's basketball team. They're fun. And they actually win games on the road, which (laughs) Ohio State men's basketball uh just got skunked they got skunked twice in a row but their 14th straight road loss uh worst defeat of the season by i think 25 against northwestern you know and before we started recording george um i kind of said that if you've seen one ohio state loss this season you've seen every ohio state loss this season they couldn't buy a three they were five for 21 from three <laughs> but those five makes counted for over a third of all of their makes which is kind of hilarious Uh, Turned the ball over 11 times, got out rebounded, uh, only had nine assists. You know, just all over the place, crappy performance. They they looked bad in the first half and then looked worse in the second half. So that's cool. Um, And then uh, that comes on the heels of uh, Ohio State losing Nebraska 83 to 69 last earlier last week, uh, wherein um, Holtman called his team soft after the game. So. My general thoughts are this. First of all, season's basically over. <laughs> I know you, I probably shouldn't is be it? saying that. Yeah, I shouldn't is be. it? Yeah, it is. I shouldn't be saying that before February, <laughs> but it's definitely over. And, I mean, like, we'll talk about Holtman's future in a little bit. But it just – first of all, man – I understand sometimes coaches try to light a fire under the ass of their teams by saying, Hey man, we got to be tougher. We're playing soft. This isn't right. This is not the time to do it. This is the time to come up with something like smart as a coach. And if that's the last thing that Holtman, if that, that's Holtman's go-to move at this point, he's out of moves. Okay. It's done. So yeah. that's where I'm at with the basketball team.
1: I think the most alarming thing that stood out to me, because as I was talking to you about before the game, I, I found myself in a situation last night where I was waiting for the game to start, you know, because they were showing the end of that that Minnesota-Penn State game in which Ohio State fans were treated to seeing what it's like when a, a road underdog goes into to Penn State and, and wins. Oh, yeah. Uh, right. and then That's weird. so the game had a late start, I ended up getting sidetracked with another activity. And then by the time I'm able to like realize or bring myself back in, you know, five, 10 minutes into the, the game, having started, it's already getting out of hand for Ohio state. And I gradually am, am losing you know, like not necessarily interest, but just not really paying attention. And it isn't until this morning when I'm, you know, assessing the aftermath that I come to realize that, of the points that Ohio State scored last night were free throws. (laughs) They scored 58 points, and 25 of those came on free throws. That
0: rules. That that is abhorrent. Yeah. Ohio State men's basketball. And look, again, I keep emphasizing this every week. We had said earlier in the season this is a fun team to watch until they stop making shots. They haven't made shots for a, a while now. It's been about a month. And you know what? So I wrote a couple weeks. But You know, it's,
1: it's one thing to go cold, but if you remember what we were saying going into, cause you know, everybody, the narrative in every January is all, this is, you know, Holtman's problem month and the struggles are going to come, but the problems that we identified with this team that went further than just, you know, shooting variants were things that were correctable mistakes, like, Mm -hmm. you know, giving sloppy turnovers, turnovers that lead to fast break points. And you see again, last night they lost the turnover battle by a score of eleven to seven. Right. Uh, in terms of what they let go, they, they these are mistakes that I, I mean, there's fundamental things like between seasons that are are just not possible to correct. I should say in season are not easy to correct. Roster construction problems. You know, sometimes you don't have enough players that can space the floor. There's there's just skill gap deficiencies that you end up figuring out during the season you aren't able to address just because of the personnel you have. Not every issue with the team is a a problem that can be coached up or coached away from. But the problems that we saw with this team that went further than just shooting variants, we were saying it's going to fall on Holtman to get them corrected. And in many ways, they not only haven't been addressed, they've only gotten worse. Oh, yeah, they definitely got worse. (laughs) It it, it does not bode well for the guy's future here, uh, in spite of whatever Gene Smith might be saying about, you know, taking the time to assess. Yeah, it's uh, things are about as bad as they but which stinks because I, I, you know, was singing the praises of this team. At the day that Ohio state lost to Michigan in football mm-hmm. and they very much improved my mood in that win over Alabama. And again, we didn't anticipate at that time that Alabama wouldn't be, you know, the, the contender that they were last year, even with the roster turnover they had. Right. But that was a feel good win at the time that set the table for what should have been a good season. And it's, it's hard for me to look back at the momentum that they had earlier in the year and not think this team is capable of more like we should be seeing a like Zed key, you know, for, I don't think that that guy would have stuck around for another run like this and gotten himself into the best shape of his career. If he himself didn't believe that this team was capable of achieving one of, if not the highest level of success that he has had since he's been a contributor Mm -hmm. to the team. I really feel for that guy seeing, what has happened here because to your, like to your point in terms of him kind of losing the team, it's, it's unbelievable that they would play Nebraska, have their largest margin of defeat of the season, get thrown under the bus by their head coach. Right. And at that point, you're, you're kind of putting all your chips into the middle of the table in terms of this is either going to make or break our season at a point that, you know, if there's, there's gotta be corrections, but it isn't necessarily dire straits at that point. Mm-hmm. But by making that move, and then coming out and losing by what third, like almost twenty five th- yeah. to Northwestern, like you've, I-, I don't know how anybody can look at what happened in the last week and not conclude that the coach has lost the team. Well, it's really unfortunate and it's sad to see.
0: I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't know that I would go that far necessarily, but I do think that if you're a guy like Zed Key, Zed Key in particular is a really interesting uh, case study for this because you know, he, he changed his body, right? I mean, like you said, incredible shape, lost a ton of weight. And it seems like they have no idea what to do with the dude now. And and that's, and that's unfortunate because he, he went all in, like he changed himself for this team clearly put in a ton of work. Yeah, he's
1: like, this sucks. I'm going back to being, fat.
0: Yeah, Hey man, doing? like live your life. If I'm him, look, live your life. Enjoy. It. And if that's where he wants to be, that's great. But I'm just saying, man, like it, it sucks that, you have these players that I think really genuinely are trying pretty hard. I don't think they're, I mean, they're, they're lost obviously on the court, but I don't think they're necessarily soft. Um, I just think they don't know what to do with themselves. And, and that's, that's down to coaching. I mean, it's entirely down to coaching. And I think, you know, Holtman's the guy that has to take the blame for it. Good news is uh, Ohio state's next opponent, Illinois, which is a number you know ranked 10th in the country. So that's great. Uh, will be broadcast on peacock so it'll be so you don't have to watch it <laughs> there are, there yeah, are things you gotta that...
1: go out of your way to see exactly. the slop going Ex- forward
0: exactly it's it's gonna be more difficult for you to check it out uh than it normally would so there you go so that that helps you out if if you're a, a masochist i guess uh as far as jeans and
1: Smith, on and, and on a last note yeah, yeah go, ahead, go ahead you know butler beat Nova this, this uh, yesterday to yeah. improve their Big East conference record to 500. And they, they only needed to win six of their last 10 to hit 20 wins. Mm-hmm. And four of those are against ranked teams. But one of those ranked teams, they already beat in their own house at Marquette. and Now they're going to get them at home. And they got to play UConn again. But they played UConn really tough the first time, only lost by six, and were beating them at the half. There is a very, very legitimate chance here that Thad Mata is going to make the NCAA tournament with Chris Holtman's old school. And Holtman, in whatever year this is of his campaign at Ohio State, is looking at a second consecutive tournament miss on the way out. How, how, and you're about to talk about Gene Smith. Yeah, Yeah. How do you look at that unfolding of events? And conclude that it's it's okay to just kind of ride out and see what happens. Oh, I don't here. think
0: he will. And so Gene Smith, I mean, we we had an article about it on the website today. Um, uh, one of the things, by the way, Andy Andy put in a really uh, great article here, and he pointed out that um, Ohio State is eight and twenty one in conference play over the last two seasons. <laughs> uh, I think. You know, Delicious. so this is that's incredible. So Gene Smith said, uh while the athletic performance on the team, uh oh, that's last February. Sorry, hang on. Let me let me give you the uh, the more recent <laughs> one here. This is what he Yeah, this is what he said to the dispatch. He said, uh, "We have a lot of season left to play, and we have coaches and players that are focused on winning every day. I'm looking forward to seeing how this turns out." That's about the most milk toast endorsement I think that you could possibly give a coach. Uh, I think we know how it's going to play out and the end result of this is Ohio state's going to continue to lose conference games. They're going to look really bad against decent teams. They might pull off a couple wins against good. And look, you know, even if they, even if they go on like an insane winning streak, like they did, uh, you know, in the, in the big 10 tournament where, I mean, insane is three games, right. But even if they look okay in the tournament, I don't think that's enough to save Holtman's job. They are trending hard down. And I think the decision has been made. They're just waiting for an appropriate time to be open about it. Um, before February isn't that time, but I'm, I'm pretty, pretty certain that at this point, um, Holtman's toast. So, which is good because he's bad. <laughs> and I don't, I don't hate the guy. I don't think he's a terrible person or anything like that, but, he's been a bad coach for the past few years at least and um, should not be coaching Ohio state. So, you know, again, I I wish him the best. I hope, I hope maybe a change in scenery, you know, does him some good, uh, you know, but uh, this guy was a mid major coach and I think maybe that's where he'll find all right, so
1: future. if you if your ship has already sailed, who do, who do you think is the most optimal replacement that's out there? That because I have no
0: idea.
1: <laughs> oh my god,
0: that's funny. <laughs> I don't I'm, know. I don't know. I don't oh, know. Because I'm
1: terrified. I'm terrified of that answer because you know my my dad was trying to convince me this morning it's Shaka Smart, and I don't like that at all. <laughs> based on you know how his run of Texas went. I well, like you know, Shaka, he has like, but he has like to an, an eight and nine record in the NCAA tournament. Like that's crazy for how yeah. lauded is like one of the best young coaching prospects he gets. So every time I would get a message about, you know, why Shaka should be the next coach at Ohio state, I would respond with a funny picture of Tom cream.
0: <laughs> uh,
1: that's who I want. Yeah.
0: No, I'd be cool. Although
1: he's probably waiting to pick at the the corpse of Michigan State when Izzo that's, leaves.
0: That's that's right. Um, Shaka, I like Shaka in general, but he's another guy who's kind of, I mean, not ready for prime time, kind of dude. And I think he's he's fine as a coach. I don't think he's necessarily a bad coach. Uh, but I, I'm kind of with you. I, I think they need to find somebody a little more dynamic. Than that somebody we had a thread actually on the forums on the site where someone suggested. Um, uh, Mick Cronin <laughs> and like that would be first of all it's not happening Mick Cronin is never leaving UCLA unless they fire I, his ass yeah no that's crazy that's crazy talk um but also Mick Cronin is like the angriest Cincinnati like dude like just it is he is the epitome of like the the little man syndrome dude from from uh West Cincinnati that you'll ever meet in your entire life it is he's the epitome of that place yeah and for him to go to to ohio state would be extremely funny but also i think it would end in tears for everybody so i mean
1: my greatest fear and the thing that i don't really understand is that based on what gene was saying this weekend i mean it sounds like he's gonna make the decision well yeah I mean, I mean he has and, to, and that would you know, well but well but the thing that i'm uh, concerns me about that is that there's a new ad taking over in june sure so if you make the decision to, like, first of all, if you recognize, and you've already acknowledged that there's going to be a, a turn, a, a what, what do they call it when one president welcomes in the other one? Well, like uh, the
0: transition of power, I guess? A tra-
1: right, the transition of power. If there's going to be a transition of power, wouldn't you want to empower the new AD to make that decision rather than, like, just kind of making an executive call when you're already on the way out? I
0: don't, well... So like, And and
1: further than that, if he decides to get rid of Holtman, is he then going to empower himself, Smith, to name the successor? Because then I'm worried he's just going to look at the fact that Fred Hoiberg, who was almost a candidate last time, Mm -hmm. is still right in the Big Ten's backyard and easily poachable from Nebraska. And I'm worried that there would be a very lazy decision made there by someone that doesn't necessarily need to do it, yeah. but probably feels compelled to because part of their late legacy as an athletic director is tied to however Holtman gets remembered on the way out.
0: My guess is that uh, Bjork and Gene Smith will probably tag team. This decision I think because they've already said that Bjork will be in uh, on the capacity of like kind of an advisory role essentially before he takes over officially I right. think they'll probably do it like jointly which makes sense okay. I mean I think that's something yeah. that they have to do but I also think Gene Smith you know I think he feels that he understands this pretty well but he's you know still the AD yeah. and that's his decision to make so um, you know he, he set the time for him to leave as of July 1st 2024 and any decisions before that, I think he still wants to make. So but I, I again, still think Ross Bjork you know, could be like, involved, but I don't know that he'll, he'll fly solo on
1: that. It's like, it's like that magic Johnson meme, you know, I'm not going to be here. Like he's not going <laughs> to be here. I don't care what his thoughts on the matter are. We don't like Holtman. Let Bjork take care of
0: it. Yeah. We'll see how it goes. I don't know. I, I have no, People off the top of my head that can immediately replace them. I mean, like I said about with Miller, I mean, Xavier's not doing super hot. Cool.
1: So we're just going to do the usual Ohio State fan thing, which is just to get mad over nothing. Yeah. (laughs) We get mad and then propose no alternatives and just
0: keep stewing. That's right. Yes. You have nailed that. Exactly. Now, (laughs) another team with a lot of coaching decisions to make, Uh, they made one big One, but I think that was the one obvious one everybody knew they were going to make. They got a couple other ones here is Michigan because Jim Harbaugh has, of course, left uh, Michigan for the Los Angeles Chargers. Here, first of all, nobody's surprised.
1: Hit by that. the road, Jack, that's right, <laughs> or Jim, rather. Don't you come back? That's
0: right. Uh, I don't think anybody's surprised by that, obviously, with all of his flirtations with the NFL. I do think it's interesting, though. I've seen a lot of kind of revisionist history, uh, with um michigan fans because they've talked about how like oh this is all expected we aren't mad about it at all which is fine they won the you know they got a natty out of it i understand being okay with him leaving but what i think is revisionist is them acting like they always knew that this was going to happen because in 2022 after his initial kind of like interviews and things like that with the nfl it was reported all over the place, AP, they, they put on NFL.com, but even that uh, Jim Harbaugh went to Ward manual and said, I'm done. Like, remember, these are guys who played together in college. Okay. And he told Ward, I'm done. I am ride or die with Michigan till the end of my career. I am not going to interview. I'm not going to do any of this stuff. He told him that that's, he was, had no future interest in the NFL and then of course immediately went back to it. And like, I don't think Michigan fans are, are going to be actually here because they got their first, you know, outright national championship since literally the Truman administration. But I also wouldn't blame anybody for thinking this guy's a little bit of a snake in the grass and and like he's kind of leaving Michigan high and dry. They installed Shren Moore. That's the the right call. Obviously, he's got, you know, basically the same kind of credentials that Ryan Day had going into the Ohio State job. Um You know, and Moore's really well liked among the team, and I think he'll be able to keep together, you know, as much of it as anybody else could. But they got a lot that they have to take care of. The only people that are returning in terms of starting players on the offense are their, uh, they've got a tight end that they played occasionally, and they've got Donovan Edwards, who was terrible until the last two games of the season. Um, That's it. That's all they have coming back on offense. Entire offensive line gone, all the wide receivers gone quorum has gone, starting running back's gone, starting quarterback's gone. They have to somehow replace that and hire a new offensive coordinator to call plays because Moore says he's not calling plays. And now they have to hire a new defensive coordinator because Mentor is going to L.A. with Harbaugh. I... Th- like, I don't know that I've ever seen this kind of exodus from a team after a championship. That's what I think is really wild here. I mean, it, the assumption obviously was that Harbaugh was going to eventually go to the, uh the NFL. But to dip immediately after, I mean, this is like, I don't know. It's just very yeah, it's, all, it's
1: almost like a fleeing of a crime scene of sorts <laughs> with right. the way everybody's getting out of town. That's
0: right. Yeah, I You
1: know don't... what the answer to who's got it better than us has been the last two or three years? The NFL. Any NFL team that will have Jim Harbaugh. I mean, I wrote about it like it was one of the first like big articles that I wrote when I was at Eleven Warriors was in February of twenty twenty two when you know I kind of went outside the the bounds of what I should usually do, but I was so in, 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 like, upset about the, you know, all these Michigan fans being high and mighty about the fact that, the, oh, Harbaugh, he, he chose us. He wanted to come back, even though you had literally people on the Michigan beat reporting that the Vikings had made an offer to Harbaugh. Right. Like, if they had actually done that, it's so obvious at this point that he would have taken that. Yeah. I mean, he literally said while he was being interviewed today during the, the AFC championship game, I love Michigan, but I love the NFL too, and there's no Lombardi trophy in college football. <laughs> and I said it on the show last week. Uh, if he wins a Super Bowl, he'll say, unapologetically, it means more than a national championship at his alma mater. He, will absolutely he does that. not love Michigan like that. No. And the, the cognitive dissonance that we're seeing from the, the Wolverine fans, it's just more of what we saw all of last season relative to the relative to them cheating. Right. But the thing is, you get a title in this sport. It's so hard to get even one in your lifetime. You cling to it forever. Mm-hmm. And so they won't care. No, they don't care. at all. Nothing, nothing is going to negatively affect them emotionally as fans until they lose to Ohio state again. Right. And, and, and I look forward to that. I
0: game. do too. And next season is going to be really interesting. Um, I will also say though, that like, you know, people keep kind of hanging on Well, the NCAA is going to come down. You're going to have to like forfeit game. Like they don't care about that. No, Nobody cares about that. They'll still have the trophy. It's, it's not going to matter to them no matter what happens.
1: Those days are over.
0: Yeah. And also I don't think that the NCAA is going to do anything because I don't trust the NCAA to ever do anything, uh, or, you know, correct. So, um, yeah, it, you know, look for Michigan, obviously this is a ton of change and I, <laughs> I don't know that there's any group of people that have taken bigger L's in college football outside of the playing field than, like, Michigan Insiders over the past, like, three or four months. They have been wrong by all by about basically everything. Uh, <laughs> the Stallion scandal, you know, what Harbaugh's going to do, who he's going to take with him, all that stuff. They've been basically exactly wrong about everything that's happened. Uh, so, you know, a big part of it is their strength and conditioning coach. They want to keep him around. He's a big part of the culture. He's their, he's their And, you know, insiders are saying he might stick around. I don't know that I'd put money on that since they just said that. So we'll see how that happens. Although well, I will say that a college uh, football strength and conditioning, uh, job is, is much better, at least much better paying than a, than an NFL strength and conditioning job. Um, you have a lot more responsibility but definitely a lot more cash in the bank so i would i would say it's probably uh likely he stays but we'll see what uh, what conspire what transpires with that um conspires is a good Freudian slip <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, how do you think this all plays out for Michigan next season? I mean, I, I just kind of laid it out, how much of losing an offense. They keep most of their guys on defense. I, they do lose a lot of key guys on uh, on the defensive line but and linebacker. But their secondary will be still very good. Um, they had a ton of depth at D-line, so that's not going to take too much of a hit i mean i don't think they're going to collapse i think uh Moore's a pretty smart dude but they also have a brutal schedule so i don't know i mean if you're prognosticating that
1: and that's what i was going to answer your question with is that i think that you know it's it's especially when you compare it to ohio state schedule yeah. i mean ohio state the first three games of the year next year it's basically like a it's like a state level schedule yeah i mean they're playing like marshall and i think we got youngstown state again and akron something like that. like that's Uh, that that's a cream puff schedule. that that might be the lightest non-conference schedule I can remember Ohio State having if I'm being totally honest it's pretty bad and you compare that to what Michigan's gonna have because the thing is now the Big Ten is so big that you know you're not even getting the same slate of like regular teams in in terms of match that you've got your you know obviously some of your recurring ones every year like Ohio State Michigan but Michigan, for a non-conference opponent, has Texas next year Mm -hmm. in one of their first, I believe, two games. But they also are welcoming, I think, all four of the major Pac-12 teams that are coming over to the Big Ten. Yeah, they got to play USC
0: at home. Um, Right. They have to go at Washington. Right. And then they play...
1: And they play Oregon just like Ohio State does. Right. But they play them, I believe, much later in the season. They
0: do. Yeah. And again,
1: out of that group of which you had a team that was just in the national championship. A- and then you've got another one in USC that is going to be, I-, I mean, they're, they're going to be one of the best rebound candidates next year, mm-hmm. I think, just because not only are they going to be you know, coming off of a season in which they massively underperformed and only finished seven and five, but this is also going to be the first time in two years where they don't have the – the Caleb Williams stardom kind of elevating the rest of the team's stock in terms of expectations. So I think that they're set up for a very, very good bounce back year next year, which, you know, for a team like Michigan where expectations might be high coming off a national championship, in spite of the fact that they had so much turnover, you've got another difficult situation there as well in terms of like, you know, two programs that, had completely opposite outcomes to this season yet still would appear to have alternate trajectories relative to what they have coming back into the next year. Right. And they have to play a
0: Quinn Ewers, Texas team second game of the season too.
1: Right. So that's their margin for error next year is far, far slimmer than Ohio States is. And on top of that, the game is back in Columbus next year. Yeah. So there's a very, there there's a very, very realistic ch- chance that Michigan goes eight and four next year, which would be about as, I think, disappointing of a follow-up campaign off of a national championship as there's been in my lifetime. Mm-hmm. But again, in the context of how much they've lost and the other thing that has been, you know repeated. By a lot of other folks that I I don't think you alluded to a few minutes ago is that not only did they just have all the turnover with the coaches, they had because of the the COVID protocol rule, they had forty four seniors on that team last year. Yeah, like the level of experience that they lost, not just with Quorum and McCarthy departing, but the high level like you know twenty two, twenty three year olds that you are filling out your roster with in a game that's mostly meant to be played by players that are like 22 and under right though the that bulk of your team is now gone and has to be filled and you're getting late into the game in the nil cycle where most of the talent's already been plucked mm-hmm. and you're having to fill in now your coordinators when the coaching carousel has already pretty much gone around at this point
0: and you're starting from behind on recruiting cycle too Right.
1: So they're, they're not set up for success, which I think also may kind of play into the reason why Harbaugh was so willing to jump ship. Right.
0: And I think it, 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 it looked,
1: it's not a positive thing for them.
0: No. And I think Moore's a smart dude and, and I don't think he'll be some kind of disaster for them. I, he's shown that he's pretty good at, you know, making the right decisions, being organizationally sound, all that kind of stuff. I think he'll be fine, but he's definitely starting you know with the deficit and, and that's, you know, that's not a great more
1: but bo- more born on second base than
0: third base. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Because yeah, he's not coming in with the same kind of talent that Ryan Day had. But yes, he, he is starting he's still coming off a national championship winning season and they've got tons of clout and you know, those are those are not exactly terrible problems to have uh if you're Shroom Moore. So I'm not really feeling, you know, too sorry for the guy. But Like I said, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens. Uh, You know, Jim Harbaugh's legacy is going to be defined by the fact that he brought a national championship to Ann Arbor, not the fact that he ends his tenure at uh, at Michigan with a losing record against Ohio State. Uh, A fact that I will cling on to like grim death uh, until the day I die. Um, Oh yeah, it's all we have now. That's right. Uh, But you know what? You win. You win in Columbus next year, and a lot of things. The universe. Starts to become a little more sensical. The Earth's tilt starts to right itself Winding a little bit. Winning heals everything. That's right. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, we would to remind you that the Dubcast is sponsored by the drug Goods Store at 11warriors.com. Shirts, hats, stickers, all kinds of great stuff. Check it out, especially in the doldrums of winter that we find ourselves in. Uh, let's go ahead and do Ask Us Anything. I want to remind you that you can ask us literally anything by sending us questions to Dubcast at Dubcast. 11 warriors.com and let's go ahead and start with this question from our good friend Alvin. Now he asked this before the Harbaugh news broke, but is it funnier for Harbaugh to stay in Ann Arbor or for him to leave Ann Arbor? In other words, as Ohio state fans, what would you, what would we have rooted for? Did did we want Harbaugh to stay and take his lumps next season or is it funnier for him to do the NFL and then, you know, kind of leave? No,
1: I, well, so I, I wanted him to leave, but it is objectively funnier if he has to stay in Ann Arbor because it's very obvious that he doesn't want to be there. That was the subject <laughs> right. of the article that I wrote two years ago, which was that, you know, it's. It's Valentine's Day, and this guy who really wants to be in the NFL with that sweetheart mm-hmm. is instead stuck in Ann Arbor with you know his his college uh, love interest that has inflated his sense of self worth. And while that may have been, you know, funny two years ago and is, you know, not necessarily aged gracefully because he has indeed now won a national championship at Michigan, albeit under highly suspect circumstances that most national college football fans do not respect whatsoever. Mm -hmm. It was still pretty obvious that they were kind of in a codependent relationship where one had far more interest in. Uh, one party than the other did. Michigan fans were so much sweeter on Harbaugh than Harbaugh was on Michigan. And you would see it reflected in the fact that every year, Ward Manuel would go to him and say, hey, can you commit? And Harbaugh would say, yeah. And then he wouldn't.
0: Right. And And
1: that was the thing for like three years. So that guy not getting what he actually wants is much funnier than – him departing for the nfl and then michigan fans who are having the reaction that they were going to have anyway which is that well we got what we wanted out of it so right. who really cares
0: well and the thing is if he hadn't gotten the nfl job you know which i think very unlikely given the amount of openings available but let's say he had kept screwing up interviews or something like that um
1: I think he could have fallen backwards in a one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eventually. But I
0: guess my point is, is that if he hadn't gotten He
1: would have of- gone to the Panthers. Yeah,
0: yeah. But I'm just saying, like, in a hypothetical world where he didn't get an NFL job this offseason, that means that he then would have been locked into basically a lifetime contract at Michigan because they would have had to have ex- give him a longer contract, right? Because his contract is expiring. So they would have given him this insane contract. And Michigan would have had all the leverage, so they would have included all of these insane clauses for, like, you know, interviewing with NFL teams and all that stuff. So, what do you
1: think about the story that he, like, Michigan finally caved on giving him oh, yeah. his, like, his uh, You know, like his him, bailout, yeah, his, his bailout thing. clauses.
0: Right, right, right. I, you know what? I almost believe it because they were so desperate to keep him at the eleventh hour that they, you know, were like, "Okay, just anything you want, man. We'll make you the highest paid coach in college football." But how
1: are they not that desperate for the from the jump? And why wouldn't they have just offered him that?
0: You know, (sighs) hubris. I honestly, I don't know. I don't know. I I think maybe just bad negotiating on their part. Uh, I think they maybe just kind of approached it. Here's what I think. I think they started the negotiations. Because this did start in the summer, right? They started these contract negotiations in the summer. He gets suspended, right for the you know for the burgers, which really he got suspended for lying to the NCAA. People people always try to like infantilize, like ah, just burgers, ah, it's not that big a deal. It's because he lied to the NCAA. So let's let's get that straight. About
1: burgers. About
0: burgers. Uh, a stupid thing to lie about. Not something the NCAA should really care. But still, he lied to the NCAA, and I think that threw. A spanner in the works. So that delayed things. And then they continue to try to negotiate this contract. And then, of course, all the Connor Stallion stuff comes out and that makes it even more difficult. And I think by the time that this got down to brass tacks, because really, I mean, they're in the middle of a playoff run, they can't really talk about this stuff super deeply. And by the time they were able to really get down and negotiate, uh, Harbaugh had accomplished what he set out to accomplish at Michigan. I think mentally was checked out and they had no real plays. So I think both sides kind of realized that it was over and maybe Michigan just kind of threw that in at the last minute to say like, oh, we tried, you know, like, it's not like we just gave up here. We actually tried to do it. So, um, yeah, but we'll, you know, I I, I do think it would have been funnier. I'm kind of with you. I think it would have been funnier if you had been forced to stay and just kind of angrily coached michigan through a uh, you know like a seven and seven you know year six and seven years something like that uh all right this next one's from evan who wants to know i was so he says i'm fully prepared to be grumpy this offseason and share my inner morgan freeman from shawshank when he says hope is a dangerous thing hope can drive a man insane but with all these moves and the addition of players like kayla downs i can't help but feel excited for next year what is your take um are you excited, George? Are you? Are you like? Are you? Are you super pumped? Do you think it's like? I, know, it's hard for me to be excited or die? in January. Yeah,
1: um, I'm kind of the same I'm way. Looking forward to it, but you know this this is a difficult. It's kind of a tricky thing as a fan because you want to be excited, but at the same time, you're you're not you're realistically not going to get to see football until September. That's still. I mean, we're <laughs> at the tail. Yeah, we're at the tail end of January right now, so we're looking at what. 6 7 months at least half a year before then so my my recommendation would be uh let your mind focus on other things so that you're not just kind of like twiddling your thumbs until uh you know the the season arrives because i you know i wanted to be super excited and enthusiastic and jazzed about last season especially given i took over for the dub cast i think it in may or or june so mm-hmm. it was a couple months before the season started. And so I had to, you know, I had to do shows with you every week. Uh and even leading up to itself. that where we're well, <laughs> my point my point is that there's there's so much time between now and when the ball actually gets rolling on this mm-hmm. that it's it's just not worth obsessing over, particularly when you just had a season that ended on a negative note yeah and uh it, it, like it's it's just better to go find balance in your life so am i going to be excited in a few months yeah of course but am i going to allow the emotions of college football to dictate my mood in february and march before the spring game has even happened hmm I'd be a Looney Tune if that were the case.
0: I think that's a very healthy way to approach it. I also think that you could, if you wanted to kind of temper expectations a little bit, um, you know, Will Howard's a good quarterback. He's not a great quarterback. And, you know, it remains to be seen if he's even better than uh, Kyle McCord was. So we don't know. And he's going to be, he's certainly a very experienced quarterback. He'll change the game in a lot of ways. But there's a lot of things that Ohio State has to fix if they want to be national championship contenders in uh, in the fall, and that includes the offensive line, which is still a little bit shaky. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that they gotta figure out with new coaches and figuring out how all these new players mesh. And as a player as Downs is, uh, you know, he's gotta he's gotta show it. And so I, you know, for me, I am excited, but I'm I think cautiously optimistic is where I'm gonna be at until, you know, the third or fourth game. Yeah, which is
1: how I went into last season relative to seeing that McCord isn't exactly, uh, right. you know, I, I, not right. the most mobile guy, and that could end up being an Achilles heel for this team. Yeah. And it was. By the way, you know, to the point of not being a prisoner of the moment relative to your emotions as an Ohio State fan, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I talked about on the show last week how 78% of a statistically significant sample of the fan base said that they were some level of unsatisfied with the direction, the overall direction of the football program uh, after the Cotton Bowl. And I said that I'm going to run that poll again this weekend and we're going to see how different it was. And guess what happened? The exact opposite. 89% (laughs) of the fan base said they are at least satisfied with the way things are going. Now a month after when over three quarters said, The sky is burning. I love it. It's great. So, again, we're a month removed from what people were saying. This is the worst thing that's ever happened. And even I was saying, like, look, Day's lost the benefit of the doubt after this result, Mm -hmm. I think. But am I saying that he's gotten it all the way back when there hasn't been one on-field result? No, absolutely not. Yeah, But I don't know how you can look at what's happened in the last month and not come away encouraged for next season oh yeah i am excited but i'm gonna allow myself to feel that excitement many months from now when the season is actually within sight
0: yeah i think cautious optimism is, is definitely where i'm i'm landing here uh this next one here this is from carter uh long listener first time commenter and we had last week a question about things that annoy our roommates i talked about how i put like apple cores and tissues and then just leave them around because i'm stupid uh, Carter said that my dry shaving should have been my quirk, uh, Oh God, which I do. And it works out fine. I just get out of the shower. You should
1: have stuck to listening and stayed out of commenting, Carter. Well, We didn't need to know that. Well, no,
0: no, no, because we, t- this is back <laughs> when Andy, kidding. Andy, uh, when Andy was a co-host, we, we had a question about what our shaving routine was, which is hilariously specific and also a little suspicious that somebody would know that that's the kind of question that would elicit something insane from me. But uh, <laughs> but anyway, Carter says that
1: my, you have a very clean shaven face, John. I know I, I mean you're far less rugged than myself, well, and I, I mean that in a good way. No, no,
0: no. But you see, but we we do this like we we can see each other while recording this. Like I it I don't have blemishes. It doesn't like I do fine with it. Anyway, Carter added after this uh, after that it should have been my quirk. He says that it still annoys my wife, which. I I assume he's saying that me dry shaving annoys his wife, which is very funny. And I'm never going to stop dry shaving because of that. And I hope your wife stays mad. Um, So uh, he, he talks about this real quick. He says, I would like to know if both of you will still hold on to the same belief that rushing the field on November 30th, about rushing the field on November 30th, as we did about rushing the court. Uh, because Ohio State is an established major team, and we should act like she, that we should be there. So anyway, the point that he's making is that, well, what about rushing the field against a hated rival, even if Ohio State... Let's say Ohio State is, like, a top-10 team in November, and Michigan's, you know, got a losing record, and Ohio State beats them by, you know, 20 or whatever. You know, normal win, not a crazy win. Should fans then rush the field? Like, is that an exception to the, the, the rushing the field rule? I... Yeah, I think it is. I think it is. I think so. I think when you have a major rival, I think Carter makes a good point. I think when you have a major rival like that, I think that's an acceptable. I think that's an acceptable uh, exception. I
1: still believe in the "act like you've been there before" concept, but I mean, there's still, you know, it's the most important game. Of the, it's make or break for both of these schools every year. That game. Right. So the with that much emotion wrapped up into it, it's the end of the regular season there's there's extenuating circumstances that make me feel more comfortable with allowing that to happen if it wasn't the last game of the season the regular season Mm -hmm. i would i would say no but the fact that it's the end and it's more it's more than just being the last home game of the season because in the example we talked about last week i was referencing the ohio state penn state game from a few years ago Mm -hmm. and that was technically, I think, Ohio State's last home game of the season, but I think they had at least one or two more road trips because it was only yeah, mid-November yeah, yeah. when it happened. But when it's your last game of the season, regular season, and it's at home, and it's against your biggest rival, and in, in a situation where you know, both teams are at least like closely ranked to each other. You don't have a situation where Ohio state is like number two and Michigan is like number 23. Mm-hmm. At that point, I think it's more okay. Like I was there for the game that went to overtime in 2016. And I think Ohio Michigan might've been ranked ahead of Ohio state, but it was like, I think that was one of the few times where the both teams were in the top five. I know both were at least in the top 10. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, in that case it's a very emotionally charged game. It's the first game in the history of the rivalry that had ever gone to overtime. And I remember watching the Ohio State fans rushing the field after that and and being happy for them because I had just graduated and seeing them get to have that the students get to have that moment. No. So I I, I think context is key and you need a lot of it, but you Know for the what Carter is framing here, I wouldn't be upset. About.
0: Yeah, I rushed the field twice, uh, both after Michigan wins and uh, it ruled. So, I'm I'm you know, I'm cool with that. I think it was good. Uh, that they was they used to
1: just get it out of their system with Mirror Lake, but we don't have that. <laughs> no,
0: anymore. well, that's the thing though, because both times I rushed the field were after also jumping into Mirror Lake. So, I get yourself a guy who can do both, is what I'm saying. Uh, next one here, this is from Kevin Rip Afro Duck <laughs> RIP. Me. That's right, this week. I think it's like the sixth anniversary, sad. Eight. Eight, huh? Jeez. Who can say where the road goes, where the day goes? <laughs> Only, Only time. time. Uh, this is from Kevin. Do you think Bill O'Brien will be the next head football coach at Ohio State? I hope so. God willing.
1: This is the worst <laughs> question that's ever been asked on Ask S. <laughs> Don't make me think about this. <laughs> Uh, Ryan Day is never going to die.
0: Yeah, that's right. He's
1: an unkillable NPC.
0: Yeah, that's right. Uh, no, I don't think Bill O'Brien's going to be the next head coach at Ohio State. Bill O'Brien's trying to do, he's trying to parlay coordinator success into another head coaching gig like so many before him. And I think it's pretty, you know, that, that's fine. I, I have no problem with that whatsoever. But I, I don't have any, uh, you know, impressions that this guy's going to try to stick it around. Could be
1: and, Marcus Freeman.
0: That'd be cool. Well,
1: I think that's a more realistic answer than Bill. Do you O'Brien.
0: do you make the jump from Notre Dame to Ohio State? Like, let's say Marcus if Ohio
1: State's your alma mater, yeah, I think so. All right,
0: I mean, I would. I you know, I can see that, but we'll see how that goes with him. Uh,
1: James Laurinaitis did
0: well. I, hey, if James Laurinaitis turns out to be this like you know next level uh, head coach than her coach in general. Then I
1: don't think Freeman wanted to
0: lose him. No, I don't think so either, but I also think a guy like Hartline, for example, like he's NFL bound. I think Laurinaitis would want to stick around in the college ranks, but we'll see. He's very early in his career. I, I just realized, like I think about it, but like Laurinaitis and I are almost the exact same age. I think he's only like less than a year apart from me or something like that, so he's got a lot of ways to go. Although, Sharon Moore is 37, which freaks me out uh last question here there's another one oh, wow
1: he that's way younger
0: than i I saw. know a lot of people don't realize Holy that. T- he 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 looks way older than he, that. he does look older um but he's yeah he's 37 years young yeah uh all right last question this is from her another one from her good friend alvin who just wants to know what are our thoughts on bubble tea
1: I don't think I've ever had
0: You've it. you never had it? I love bubbles. No. Nope. I think it's delicious. Now, I'm lactose intolerant, so I got to go with the coconut milk and almond milk, right? Like, I can't do, like, the traditional stuff, but uh, I get the taro flavored. I'm, I'm all about that, and then I think it's delicious. There's a place.
1: Yeah, I, I see it down here in Miami sometimes, and I lived in Santa Monica for a summer, like, four or five years ago. So I, I like I, it. you know, pretty trendy, but, yeah, I just never, you know, I've been in my in my late 20s i was i was kind of focused on slimming down so if Mm -hmm. i was going to have sugar water it was going to be a coke zero (laughs) it wasn't going to be any any boba
0: that's fair um is i think it's pretty high in calories but there's a place uh called cornerstone here uh in columbus they make the best pad thai in the city but they also make really good bubble tea so if anybody is a you know, hankering for that. I recommend that place.
1: I'll have to try it sometime. It's pretty good.
0: Um, all right. So that's ask us anything. Thank you for sending in those questions. Uh, keep doing it. We'll keep answering it. Let's start off with a few things before we get out of here, uh, related to Ohio state. First of all, if you want some positive Ohio state, Michigan news, how about this? Number seven, Ohio state wrestle bucks come down at the last second and beat number 11, Michigan in a dramatic come from behind victory on points. Vance is
1: smiling somewhere that's
0: right oh man he was he was uh he was i think wilding out on twitter a little bit um this is at the cavelli center so you get him at home and yeah they they busted it out at the last minute there um with a uh with a win on the heavyweights nick feldman uh who has been really key for ohio state um, throughout the season, I think with uh, with the Russell Box, he beat number four in the country heavyweight Lucas Davison, uh, four to three, and uh, that was just enough to put the Buckeyes over the Wolverine. So that's pretty sick. First win for Ohio State over Michigan in Columbus since 2012. Uh, sellout crowd at the Cavelli Center. If you were there, you saw a hell of a show. Um, so that's pretty cool. Good for the Russell Bucks. I love, I love to see any win over Michigan, but I also love to see, uh, wrestling getting 71 comments on the site and people kind of locking in on that a little bit. That's fun. I like that a lot.
1: Yeah. Not a lot of positive wrestling news this week. So nice to see <laughs> ohio right. state, uh, you know, kind of, well, positive get, if get you win. want
0: to see Vince McMahon put in a blunder. So, um, but,
1: Ohio State not only has the, the upper hand on wrestling news but also the the, the best of the McMahon last name. That's true. Uh, that's right in recent, in the recent news cycle. That is
0: also true. Um, Ohio State a little bit more uh, football stuff. A um, couple things of note. Ohio State got a four star offensive tackle Carter Lowe. He's from Toledo, so you know some people are like oh, that's a coin flip you know Michigan, Ohio State. So that's good. I think a lot of different guys, a lot of different teams were in on his commitment um he ultimately chose ohio state over i think like tennessee and a few other big name programs so that's pretty awesome um and including michigan honestly so that's a win he's a big guy six five two ninety he's gonna be a tackle probably uh i'm, I'm happy about that and also anthony schlegel everybody i think a lot of people remember him maybe most notably for his incredible slam on a uh, a field rusher i guess uh, um
1: i i still haven't told my involvement in that story yet I'm, I'm gonna have to do it on the dubcast someday yeah i don't know if now's the appropriate i think time, it is
0: schlegel's back he's you know he's there for, you sure yeah he's there for just kind of an interim basis so let's let's bolster this little tidbit with with your story
1: okay I've been waiting to tell. It's this has been a long time coming, Dubcast fans. This is uh, this is my contribution to a national championship winning season. Oh, let's go! So I want to hear it. I hope you're ready for this. I was living on Fourth uh, and Nineteenth, over by. I was about a block or two away from Fourth uh, Street Tavern. So, all right nice little depraved, uh, area of town off campus. And yeah. one, one group that took a notice of that were, were the, uh, Evans scholars who famously <laughs> are not allowed to drink in their dorm, but you know, like to party as any other college students do. And uh-huh. so they worked out a little arrangement with me and my buddies in that house where they would cater all of our tailgates. And, uh, you know, as long as we just kind of gave them a place to, you know, do their debauchery in, sure. we got to drink for free, and then they would send the freshman pledges the next morning to clean up the whole mess at no cost to us. Sounds like it a pretty good It was a wonderful deal. arrangement. I was about to say. It was a wonderful arrangement. Of course, the one caveat of that is that, you know, the more senior members of the group, and in particular the the members of the board, felt entitled to, you know, kind of behave however they wanted, right, right, you know, right. once the, once the drinks started getting flowing or whatever. Mm-hmm. And one of those people was the treasurer of the Evan Scholars. A man by the name of Wonder. <laughs> I, 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 And I don't, I, you know, I mean, his name is kind of out there in, like, public record at this point. So I, uh, you know, don't really feel bad for floating it out there. But And I'll also explain why, too. Because, you know, that guy would kind of regularly make a mess of our house and we just kind of had to, like, you know, let him do whatever because he was, you know friends with one or two people that live there and also their group is bankrolling our tailgates and it's like you know we're having these great awesome college parties and they cost nothing to us and you know just kind of whatever but there was one day one day where it went a little bit too far I i was up in uh my roommates or one of my roommates rooms and we're you know entertaining a group and whatever and one of the sisters of another one of my housemates comes running up the stairs and says you gotta come downstairs right now because wonder is peeing on your couch (laughs) in the middle of the party now now in my head i'm thinking oh dear some poor soul has passed out on the couch right right right. and is peeing in their pants on the cushions yeah which is something when you live in a house full of drunk hooligans in college it
0: happens happens.
1: two blocks away from fourth street tavern right 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 is not necessarily out of the question so it's like okay you know this is usual i mean I, usual is a strong word yeah. in this context, but this it's not man. not necessarily something above, uh, you know, out of bounds in terms of what you expect to see. Right, right, we'll right. we'll go take care of him. We'll figure out whatever. I go down the stairs to address the wonder in question. Wonders awake. <laughs> Wonders standing up with his pants around his knees. Oh my god! And is using our couch as a urinal. Oh my god! So I grab him immediately. I turn him around, and he's got that kind of like dopey look on his face. Like, what did I do? <laughs> and I'm like, you got to get out of here right now, man. And I literally threw this guy out of our house. Mm-hmm. And he was like upset about me, like I had done so. But everybody in the house was like, no. I mean, you're like totally just, this is great. This guy literally ruined our couch. Yeah, yeah, I had never seen anybody deliberately do it, but that's how wasted he was. Right. Was that he just did that in the party Ugh. in the in front of everybody? That's
0: extremely gross.
1: So this happened at like I don't know, maybe two thirty or three o'clock in the afternoon. We had been, you know, we started drinking at like ten or eleven and whatever. So we're all, you know, we're all pretty lit. He he's excessively lit and has now been kicked out of the house. But the problem's been removed you know we clean up and whatever and the the game is at night so we're we're getting ready to go and then eventually we get to the game and whatever yeah and then the game is happening <laughs> and during the game at one point we notice that a fan has <laughs> run onto the field And this fan is wearing the same number two Terrell Pryor jersey, (laughs) although I believe it might have been Dontrell Wilson at the time if we're talking about active members of the team. The the famous number two Ohio State jersey. It was
0: bought as a Terrell Pryor jersey. Yes.
1: Number two Ohio State jersey, a white visor, (laughs) and uh, that same infamous plastic bladder that I had been looking at all afternoon when just just a little bit earlier that same bladder had had been responsible for fueling the the ruining of the couch in my in my home and we all collectively realized in that moment oh dear goodness wonder has rushed the field in the drunken stupor caused by the party at our house wow and of course, everybody knows what happened next when he tried to, you know, put the deke on Schlegel, and uh, that that didn't quite work out the way that it did. The
0: picture of him destroying him is pretty amazing. But I got to tell you something. Like, do you think so? He, yeah, I, I'm, I'm so looking... so.
1: We actually, after that happened, we got that picture, not necessarily framed, but like blown up and digitized, <laughs> and we put it on our wall. It, next to the beer pong table in our house where it stood up for the rest of the season where we got to tell this story to anybody that would listen and wonder incredibly although he was arrested and banned for life from ohio stadium did not get kicked out of evan scholars wow i don't know if he got to keep his board position but you know there's in that in that world, there's a lot of one hand washes the other, uh-huh. and I do know that that guy ended up going to Northwestern for uh, graduate school in spite of everything that happened. Hey, so
0: you know, what? you know, Good it's for it's him. funny
1: how the world works. But again, I I that is that was my contribution to a national championship season because if I if I had allowed Schle- uh, Wonder to <laughs> you know relieve himself on our couch to the point that perhaps he had. You know, felt emboldened enough to stay at the house, Uh and then got even more drunk, and probably didn't even make it to the game, and just passed out on the same couch that he, you know, buried in a pool of his own urine. Mm -hmm. There is a very realistic chance that we would have missed out on the funniest moment of the national championship winning season. Here's
0: the other thing. First of all, that's You're incredible. welcome, Ohio That's State incredible. That's, that is incredible. And I'm glad, you know what, you did the right thing, obviously. I mean, that, everything worked out well for everybody. Goddamn right I did the right <laughs> thing. You peed on
1: my couch.
0: <laughs> you peed on your couch.
1: Uh, if we ever, or I hope we can interview Schlegel someday because I, I would, I, I, I would love to see his face if I could tell him that story. That's pretty fantastic.
0: Show. Uh, the couch really tied the room together. Um,
1: <laughs> I tied the story together. Yeah. Uh,
0: there is also, uh, there on eBay, you can, you can possess a, for $20 and Anthony Schlegel signed eight by 10 of him body slamming. <laughs> this kid uh to the turf there's also a sec i found on uh land grant actually good for these guys i found a secondary uh, uh like vantage point like a picture of this happening i think it's maybe a screen cap from the broadcast or something it is even funnier than the other picture that most people know about so i'll uh, i'll have to send that to you because that's 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 killing me right now uh, there's also a picture of him being escorted off the field uh, with the, uh, the, the plastic bladder in front of him. It's pretty great. He's, he's clearly, I've concerned.
1: still got a picture of my phone of the, the next tailgate we had the week afterwards. I, I said, I got to get a picture with you. Cause you're a, you're a legend in the eyes of Ohio state fans now. Yeah, and That's he, pretty great. Had
0: no idea. I love it. He's like, what? I don't remember that at all. Um, so that's pretty fantastic. Thank you for telling us that story, George. Um, Yeah, so that's that's well, that's not it. We've got one more thing we have to talk about. Other shenanigans, college football, real quick. uh, You were the, you know, you were, uh, you know, you wrote the weekend editor, right? You were the weekend editor. You wrote the weekender, just very, very. Briefly, can you summarize the insane uh, former LSU wide receiver gambling situation?
1: It, it, it's really funny how, like, every almost every weekend that I end up serving as editor around here, like the stars perfectly align for me to write about <laughs> some some goofy college football headline perfectly aligned with my interests.
0: Yeah, how many how many this... illegal bets did this this guy place?
1: Let's sure. ask Vegeta. Uh,
0: no, I'm kidding. Yeah, it right, wasn't right. over
1: 9,000. It was close. Close to 8,900. 9, the crazier thing is that Keyshawn Bouttee mm-hmm. did only like 17 of those were college football related. Oh, yeah. Yeah, And the most famous one was the, the eight-leg parlay he ran in which he included two of his own player props <laughs> in the Florida State game that they lost. That rules. He took the over on his receiving line of 82.5 yards. He only finished with two catches for 20, and he completely biffed like the only red zone target he got of the game. He wasn't even looking at the football <laughs> when it was thrown to him. And then he threw a fit afterwards that the camera caught, and out of context, it was like people were like, that's kind of weird that he was, you know, as upset as he was over one, you know, kind of a uh, just what was sort of a mental lapse. Uh-huh. I mean, those are perfectly common among college football players. But it was in context, everyone was like, oh, now the reaction makes sense. But it just makes you wonder, like, what, what else was the guy betting on? Because somebody ran the math on how many bets he did within that 13-month window. And it came out to something like six hundred fifty bets a month and twenty three bets a day. That's
0: insane. That is absolutely bonkers. I mean,
1: I bet I, I bet one day of the week.
0: Yeah, one. Well,
1: and I, I you know how crazy twenty three wagers yeah. a day.
0: I mean, and that gets on to point, a
1: sport you don't even
0: play. Yeah, that gets to the point where you're like, okay, maybe this guy just has like an actual like addiction problem, and this is like bad for him you, you want him well, to get better, so then
1: right. it came out like the actual numbers that were involved here that he started out with something like a hundred thirty thousand dollars which makes you wonder like okay yeah if he got nil money did all of it go into that yeah and then some people reported it as his you know his winnings, which really should be treated more like revenue than net profit, mm-hmm. were something to the to the extent of like over five hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> so people saw that and then were like, "Whoa, Booty's a sharp. We got to be getting that guy's picks." And it's like, "Yeah, okay, but he only withdrew fifty k, right? Which presumably went all into his bail because he got out of jail on Thursday, mm-hmm. the day after the game came out." Yeah, and then you do the rest of the math on that. It's like wait, this guy didn't – this guy lost $82,000. Yeah. Uh, Like, it it was a very – I don't want to say misreported, but it wasn't really a clarified detail in the story. And I'm kind of worried how many other – not just, like, people generally, but but possibly even other college athletes that are getting something close to that kind of money are going to see that story and think, oh, well, if this guy was an idiot and he just got caught – I just have to wait until I'm 21 and I can make my own, you know, username, <laughs> even if I just use my regular government name, uh-huh. the way that boutique did uh, and, you know, not, you know, misappropriate your, your mother's credit card information. And then you can legitimately do this to to make money or get a better return on investment than you would otherwise. Yeah. It's just a very, it, it's such a knotted story. Like there's so many, knots in here that just make you wonder like what like what was the thought process behind this that allowed it to take shape it's and it's kind of unbelievable that they didn't really catch on to it earlier than they did i'm sure the books were probably looking at his action were like Hey, we we know this is fishy, but I mean his name if, was if on this guy, it. <laughs> If this guy's gonna, well, no. But the point is, if this guy's just gonna make donations to us yeah, because guess, he's putting right, five right. figures on pickleball right. at two in the morning, right. go it's for like, it. Yeah, you know, we'll we'll take it, and then we'll you know, once he gets to the NFL, we'll we'll slide something the IRS's way and be like, hey, hey, fellas, yeah. You want to get a cut of this, right?
0: No, you're right. The whole story is completely bonkers and uh, definitely an interesting one to kind of end the week on. I, I, in
1: fact, I bet that's probably the why the reason he got caught was just because he didn't pay his taxes. That, it doesn't have anything to do with the fact that the accounts were created illegally, and that's the most important thing you should remember, folks. If you're gonna do it, if you're gonna whether it's offshore or whatever, and I'm not condoning that or condoning that, but. For the folks that do, if you're going to do it, just make sure you give the IRS their cut, and then everybody's happy.
0: There you go. Uh, All right, so that's the Dubcast for this week. Um, Gambling, slamming dudes to the turf, new coaches, all that kind of stuff.
1: Tune in next week for more responsible uh, (laughs) money advice from yours truly. That's
0: right. We are not financial advisors. Please understand that. I want to make that. I
1: did used to be a banker. There
0: you go. All right. Well, Before
1: I was a degenerate gambler. Well,
0: you know what? Like I said. No, do not do not construe anything that we say on the Dubcast as legitimate financial advice, please. Even 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 beyond the realm of a disclaimer, just don't do that.
1: Uh, if you want that, go read my uh, go read Easy Bucks when it publishes during the season. Yeah, there you go.
0: See, see, it all ties in together. Uh, so that's the Dubcast for this week. Uh, we'll be back next week to talk about all the crazy stuff happening in college sports, including five State sports. Uh, but until then, I'm Johnny.
1: I'm George. And we'll see you next week. Take care, folks.